you're listening to Draft Chaff. Coming up this week. But hey, that's just kind of the, the, the way these packs crack now with Clay Boosters. I will say, this does finally put a nail in the coffin of why is this still in the pack? <laughs> Uh, nothing under five mana value to flip would not trade with the two-two, but then they have a pump spell anyway. Limited players need to memorize whole sets. Now we need mm-hmm. to memorize whole sets plus the list, which changes every set. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number one hundred and ninety-two. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I'm glad you're back to doing the intro. I could not remember all of it. It took many <laughs> takes. We're not going to say exactly how many. I, de- I think I deleted them all from the studio, but um, saying all those words in that order, it's not easy. Hey, look, on the bright side, A, you did a fantastic job. I'm very proud of you. B, well, you. I've been doing it for almost four years, so I've had <laughs> yeah, plenty of practice. Yeah, I, uh, that was my first, maybe second time having to say th- those words. I- I'm happy to stay as the guy that goes second, so... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back. Um, loved last week's episode, though, by the way. That was great. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a good time. Listener, hope you did as well. If you haven't checked it out, I would recommend it because it was fun. Um, different approach to drafting than we've done on the show before. <laughs> so, that was great. Um, before we get into this week's episode, of course, our usual housekeeping. If you're not already in the Discord, do jump in there. Come say hi. We'd love to see you. Post about your trophy decks, your, your what's the picks, and, and anything in between. And of course, do check out the bounty boards because the bounty board for Markov Manor. Oh, I did it again. One week (laughs) off and I still can't get that right. The bounty boards for Karlov Manor are up and running and people have been actually coming in there with, uh, I think, some of the more difficult bounties than I was expecting, Ben. These are coming up a little bit faster than I expected. So, yeah, I mean, hey, the race is on. Jump in there if you'd like to win some packs and show us the different bounties you've been acquiring the link to the discord is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page and if you'd like to support the show directly you can do so on patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod huge huge thanks to each and every one of you who continue to support us every week we're beyond grateful for all of you so thank you for your support perks over there include things like access to our show notes and our pre-show recordings a private channel for draft discussions even up to potentially cube drafting with us and of course our draft chaff hero stickers which are custom with each set and kind of, uh, well, something fun for uh, a bit of immortalization of our draft chaff heroes. And again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, Ben, on to our cracker draft type thing. This is our first cracker draft type thing that's using the new play boosters, isn't it? Well, I think it actually is. Yeah. And uh, this one highlights some of the play booster nonsense that you can get, which is actually bit of a knock against this format i i have some beef but we'll talk about that later first up is sanitation automaton that's the two mana two one the colorless artifact etv surveil one if you desperately need a two drop which in this format you kind of do you can play this so hate to say it but this is actually pretty pretty fine it's not a bomb or anything but you can put this on turn two and it does trade with the morphs so i'm not going to call them disguised i just I'm not going to do any service. <laughs> Magnifying glass is next. It's really only playable if you have agency outfitter. Don't think I'd play it otherwise. Uh, Undercover crocodile. This one's pretty good. It's been. I've been playing too much blue green for 
obvious reasons but uh if you're just playing green red or blue red or something the crocodile is actually pretty solid having a repeatable clue generator is nice and it's a morph that flips up for five and it's a five five so the morph cost and the five five stats they do line up kind of well so like on turn five if you just need a five five available now you got one yeah not too shabby We've got a gadget technician. That's the blue red one. Also pretty solid, a little cheaper. So uh, I like it. And, and honestly, I don't play this one outside of blue red too much. Uh, the fact that it makes an artifact stopter is pretty big. It's funny. Blue red has like an artifact sub theme, but barely any of the cards that are good or playable are artifacts. So hmm. a lot of them make artifacts, but some care about casting or that type of thing. Um, yeah. So this one, it is just fine. Uh, it makes two things. It's pretty nice that you can play it either turn three or turn four and you get the token either way where some things only trigger when you turn them up this one triggers on etb as well next the chase is on this garbage red combat trick this three mana three oh first strike investigate this this should be so easy to play around and like on, let's say your opponent plays a three drop turn three turn four they untap and they attack and you're like all right there's no way they would spend their whole turn their entire turn four casting like a three mana combat trick to totally blow me out in combat right so then you double block and they have it and then they go on a win and it feels so bad uh combat tricks are really where it's at because i mean just think about how many creatures in this format have ward just like on average Mm -hmm. the average creature is more warded than in any other format so removal is not great uh which makes pump spells on your own creatures better uh, to help them attack through and like push through your your opponent's stuff, and if pump spells are good, you know, aggressive stuff probably looking pretty good too. And that is kind of where we landed. So, yeah. do you think this is costed accurate, like correctly? I mean, four mana for this effect feels like a lot. It, it is just three. I, I guess I should oh, have said it? like. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I thought. Sorry, I misread it. I thought it was a three, three and a red. Yeah, it, I mean that's the thing though. They would still do this on turn four using like not a very efficient turn and then it's still just it's still good like yeah i hate playing these but um yeah they're playable alley assailant is next the two and a black three three it etvs tapped or you can disguise it flip it up for six and it drains for three dying to this one's kind of annoying and flipping for six draining for three to get from a two two to a three three it's not a huge upgrade but this can close out games. You have to respect it. Also, the fact that you can just play it as a 3-3 on turn 3 if you need to. But this one doesn't have very good flexibility as far as like stats and timing. Uh, this one's kind of mediocre. I don't like having to play it. Same with this next one, Defenestrated Phantom. The 4-white-white, white, 4-3 flyer uh, that you can flip up for... I honestly don't even know. It's like 6, I think. I've never flipped it up once. Uh, maybe it's five. It doesn't matter. This card's not very good. All right. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven commons. That's all the commons you're going to get in this pack. And yeah, this that is, is a pack one, pick one. That is not a lot of commons. <sighs> yeah. I, I realized. I mean, so so we're still getting. The pack one to pick one experience is very different now, right? Now that there's only 13 cards in a pack, I guess in, in a real life one, I mean, you'd get the land or, and then the, the token art card slot. But I mean, here, it just doesn't really 
you can feel it while you're drafting. It's hard to describe why, but you can feel it. You feel as though things wheel less. Having a whole one card less per pack does make a measurable difference as far as feeling like something's going to come back or not. There's also the like suit, like the random nature of, well, you won't always have seven commons in a pack. Some packs you'll have more than that, or some packs you'll have, right? Like the actual number of the, of rares are different per pack. So you can't necessarily expect that like, oh, I opened seven, my opponent, the person passing to me also opened seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may have opened more, right? Like, so there's there's some of that too, which is a little bit weird. Yeah. Well, we actually have three uncommons and then three rares. So let's get into it. First one is Lightning Helix. That's a banger. Love Lightning Helix. Yep. Uh, it's played out exactly as you'd expect. Although the two mana removal that you'd expect to be good, I, I understand why you can play Lightning Helix in this format now and how they didn't think they had to like power adjust it. Uh, let's say your opponent plays their, they untap, they play the third land, they cast a face down disguise creature and you have lightning helix and you're prepared to helix their three drop. And now you just can't because it has ward two. So then you've right. wasted your entire turn too. You're not going to helix their face. That's not a very good idea. So uh, what do you helix their one drop? The, the novice inspector that already made them a clue and is already a two for one. Like, Lightning Helix, it, it does have its applications. Like, I mean, it, it kills most of the stuff in this pack, right? It kills the Phantom, the Assailant, not the Crocodile, but the Technician, basically everything else. It's still a really strong card, and it can go face in red-white where it's best. Uh, but it is actually pretty balanced to the format. Yeah. Undercity Eliminators next. The 5 out of 3, 3 ETB, you can sack something, and if you do, you get to exile one of your opponent's things. Same kind of deal here. This isn't nearly as good when most of the stuff your opponent has in play is either small because they were curving or uh, has ward two, in which case this is basically a seven drop. And at that point, it does nothing. So uh, five mana situational card like this. I mean, this this looks an awful lot like a ravenous chupacabra effect or a flame tongue kavu effect, but it is kind of hard to get it to actually work. Plus, black doesn't have that many ways to make clues, so the whole sacrifice and artifact instead of sacking a creature thing doesn't always work out as well. And then we got Furtive Courier, the 3-mana 3-2, when it attacks you loot. Uh, and as long as you've sacked an artifact this turn, it can't be blocked. Blue is a bunch of things that give creatures unblockable. The, uh, the blue-white detective uncommon uh, gives things unblockable as well. So this thing, I mean, also like Cryptic Coat, some things at higher rarity. So this thing can push through some damage, but you're not really sacking clues that often. Because like, how are you making them? What else are you doing on board? I don't know. This mm-hmm. one's just been okay. Okay, so before we get into our rares here, Ben, what are you thinking? Like, I think in a lot of formats, you would, if you saw Lightning Helix, you'd think, okay, that's worth the two color for pack one, pick one. This set, and I mean, this pack is kind of indicative of this, but the set has a lot of multicolored cards in it. So we've got three at Uncommon or Below. And, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure where your head's at in terms of, are you taking the crocodile, even though it's two color, are you just going to take the courier because it's probably the best monocolored card in the pack? Where are you thinking? I I think I do just slam the helix here for the reason that a good red white deck is the best deck in the format. So if you're forcing red white, I mean, white is just so strong that if you're forcing red white, you're probably already doing fine. Like your deck is going to turn out okay, and having a helix that's that's going to be a big part of that. You can actually do multicolor stuff in this format too. Like I played Mardu decks that are a little aggro, a little control, sort of in the mid range, and Lightning Helix is just good there too. Sure. 
Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning as well. Felt like even though Helix seems to have been, I don't know, fixed is right because I'm not sure it was ever actually broken, but tempered down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 been fitted well in the format. Um, may incline folks to to take it less highly, but it still is just a lightning helix, and it's going to deal with a lot of stuff in the format. So, yep. So our first of three rares. Uh, Undercity Sewer is the black-blue tap land that surveils and enters, and it has basic land types. I do like these. I've played some five-color soup decks that I are happy to snap these off. But these, I mean, if you're in the colors, I'd probably take them around pick five or six. Um, and I wouldn't really use them to influence the colors, and I wouldn't really take them over a good card in the colors. But I definitely do play them. And I even do play ones that only touch one color. So if I'm playing blue-green, I would play Undercity Sewers, even if there's not a black card in the deck. It is, it is that good. Sure, yeah, I think, um, again, we've talked about this numerous times on the show before, but outside of cube environments, you typically aren't going to want lands prior to, like, yeah, pick four, maybe, pick three, depending on the set and what type of lands are available. Um, sounds like this is a similar, similar situation even though you can be playing these three-color, four-color, even five-color decks. So our next one isn't actually a rare. It's a mythic. It's Trastani Three Whispers. Really strong card. Kind of lore-important one. That's the three-mana 4-4, four, four, and that has three activated abilities to give Death Touch, Vigilance, or Double Strike, all for varying costs. Uh, if you're playing green-white, this card is obviously a massive bomb. It's a three-mana 4-4 four, four with a bunch of really strong activated abilities, and you can just juice up the things in your, in your deck. I was playing against this card in the pre-show and well, you know, patrons can uh, sub to the Patreon if you want to hear how I fared against that, but you could probably take a good guess. Uh, but funny enough, I don't actually think this card is the pick. Well, there's nothing else in the pack that would incline me to take to, to, to there's nothing in the pack that I would want to take over Tristani, but we haven't heard our final card yet. So Ben, what was that? I, I cannot possibly conceive of why they put this in the set or i guess i should say on the list for you to open smuggler's copter in a limited <laughs> environment a hey, card that's a lightning good it, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it does this card is good in vintage cube like yeah, I, don't, no, I don't know it's one of the best limited cards of all time i mean both because of the gameplay aspects where it's basically unbeatable on turn two unless they happen to have helix uh, but it's also the perfect pack one pick one. Like you, you don't commit. Yeah. This is good in blue black, and it's good in red green, and it's good in red white. Like, yeah, it goes in just every single deck ever. And it's gonna be the best card in whatever deck you end up playing. So, I, I, I was shocked to see this pack one pick one. I imagine the person to my left was shocked to get past two rares, one of which is a massive bomb. Uh, but hey. That's just kind of the, the, the way these packs crack now with play boosters. I will say, this does finally put a nail in the coffin of, why is this still in the pack? Because there could be like four rares. Like, shut up. You yep. don't know what's still with that person yep. open. Uh, maybe they had two smugglers, copters, a Trastani, and the lightning helix. Like, I, who knows what can happen in these packs anymore. So they, they do make packs more fun to open. I'll give them that. This was certainly a fun pack on pick one, the screenshot and spam the discord with like are y'all seeing this 
Do you feel that you've been experiencing that on passes as well? Like when an when a when a player passes a pack to you, you're like, "Ooh, this is still fun." There are three rares left in this pack. Oh, I've absolutely been on the receiving end of this. I've gotten past the Aurelia, the five mana red white Boros mm. Mythic that are rare that just like wins the game when you cast it. Uh, I got past Ezrim, the um, fixed dream trawler before. I saw a deck on Twitter. It had four Ezrims in it. And like, yeah, I saw that one as well. That's obviously absurd. I, w- I, I will say this, this does open up some new angles, this play booster thing. But I think before we get into the play booster effects, we should let's transition to our main topic here, which uh, I, I, I've given the name of Morph Mush. <laughs> this is a uh, this is kind of how I feel about the format. Yeesh. All right. Well, walk us through it. I mean, um, we've had we've had Carl of Manor now for what three weeks and or two weeks. I don't know. I don't even know. Time is time is a construct. Um, <laughs> yeah. What are your overall thoughts? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been hating it? Have you been somewhere in the middle? Does it feel like a relief coming out of LCI. Where where are you at? Hmm. I guess I would say overall it's fine. And that's not maybe that's not a good compliment. <laughs> yeah. I think what I've really noticed in this format is that it feels like more of the same. And for a format that's kind of mechanically and textbook wise very different than what we just saw and what came before, but it feels the same. And there's not these textural differences from set to set anymore where you really feel like, oh, I remember what the gameplay of this certain set felt like because it was super distinctive. Uh, Something, it's a feeling of um, averaging and and sludging that that it doesn't feel great gameplay-wise. And this is something that I think I experienced because I do play a lot of limited. And someone who only does like a draft every format or like five drafts or even 10 drafts every format might not feel the same like in sludgeification in 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 morphing mushingification of uh what's going on here but i i can remember a time in limited when sets had these very distinct feelings to them where it was i remember something like amon ket where um i i very distinctly remember i don't remember what the mechanic was called where it taps and exert that's it uh Mm. you get to exert a creature it taps it doesn't untap during the next end step. Uh, it, rather, it doesn't untap uh, during your next upkeep and untap step, but you get these, these cool benefits for like exerting your creatures. And the whole set was kind of built around that. And there were some that exerted for positives for you or negatives for your opponent. And that influenced the speed of the format. It was pretty fast. But then there was a the supplemental set um, that came after Hour of Devastation. That's what it was. Hour yep. uh, came and really slowed the format down. And and all of a sudden, it injected these much slower, more powerful cards into the format that made it so that, well, now exerting a two-drop isn't necessarily the best thing to do. Now there's other things. River Hoopoo, for example, is a card that strikes right. me from that format. Uh, I don't think in three years I would be able to describe something similar about LCI. Uh, I, sure. I, I don't I, I think don't actually, though personally, I feel like the last set that was, pos- that was true for was Mom yeah yeah mom had some distinct stuff i mean incubator tokens and and the the way that played out and the sieges were a big part of that as well yeah but but anyway maybe i'm being a little harsh i i I think 
uh, I, I do think this new set has some positives and some negatives to it. So maybe let's start with getting all the other negatives out of the way. If you don't start your curve on turn two, you, you just die. Like that's unfortunately how this goes. Um, we were correct in identifying some of the busted one drops. Uh, the dog, the, the one mana, one one menace. Mm -hmm. That is just about as good as we thought. And then when they play a two drop into a morph, then, you know, that's, you're probably just going to lose if you don't have anything to play on turns one and two. You end up super far behind, especially because removal is kind of de-incentivizing this format because of all the morph creatures. And uh, because now combat tricks are kind of taking the place. So it becomes a very good luck blocking type of format. I mean, if you try to block against a morph, you risk it being flipped up and you just get screwed over there. Uh, or maybe you think you're safe to block a morph because you remember that rule that uh, nothing under five mana value to flip would not trade with the 2-2. But then they have a pump spell anyway. So it's like, all right, well, I guess yeah. I still lose if I block. So uh, as with other sets we've seen recently, the cheap cards being better means that cards uh, in the more aggressive colors are best. So uh, the red-white aggressive vector is, like last set, basically the best thing to be doing. White is really strong, the best color in the format by far. Early data confirms it. And uh, as a white mage myself, I guess I'm not too annoyed by this. I'm happy to draft white over and over again. But overall, this is a, a big issue against the format. And I think we're now starting to see people actually come up in arms about it. LR this week, Marshall went on a, on a nice rant about how he, he feels it too. And I think other limited players are starting to chip in that they also feel it. And that there's a sort of slow slide towards each set feeling more and more like the previous one. So I kind of want to put a nail in this or maybe a pin in this or expand, double click on this. I don't know what the phrase is. <laughs> I want to, I want to talk about this a little bit more, which isn't actually in our show notes, but this is something I feel like we've been getting closer and closer to for probably the better part of a year and a half, two years now. And that is this idea of like these cookie cutter sets. Ben and I talked about this a little bit uh, prior. I think it might've been prior to the pre-show even. Um, where you know we have these 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 cards that you can expect to see in every set we've started to get this adjustment toward these play boosters and the way that that affects drafts and sure that changes things up but we've been seeing set over set these aggressive decks are the best decks to be playing red white's often very good the, the uh especially with the best of one formats as you're playing on arena sets are seemingly being designed more for arena than on paper and then you get comments like Mero coming out and saying like, well, if we didn't switch to play boosters, draft was going to be dead anyway. Yeah. Is this another way they're just doing that? Like, are they actually trying? Do you feel like maybe this is a little tinfoil hat-esque, but like, do you feel like they're just like, okay, stop putting time and money and resources into designing better limited formats. So let's just build the cards we need to build for constructed formats and let the limited format do what it does. People Ha people's like happiness with drafting be damned hmm. i mean this is this is an interesting idea i wouldn't say that exactly but i do think it's probably a side effect of time and effort being spent in other places that this thing is happening and funny enough the sets aren't getting worse so to speak they're just getting more complicated and that's what's making them worse this is opinion based but maybe other people will echo this uh 
let's take an example from this set. Uh, cards have so many lines of text, like Crovod Haunch. I pointed out to you in the pre-show. There is no reason a one-mana equipment should have six lines of text that I have to zoom in on Arena to see what's going on in there. That's, that's absurd. So here's a, an example. Uh, creatures in this set have both ward and hexproof. There's a couple of creatures in the set with, well, I mean, tons of them have ward. Uh, and a couple have sure. hexproof. Some even have ward on their front face. Some most have it when they're disguised on their back face. Now, some removal spells can't be countered. I think the setup of having a bunch of removal spells in the set having the not be countered text, this is a mess for newer players. I mean, if you're a brand new player and this is your first set, you're probably not coming back to Magic ever again. I mean, does Hexproof get countered? Is Hexproof countering a spell? Does a thing that can't be countered target a Hexproof thing? Does Word, I mean, does that... If you don't pay for it, does it still trigger? Like, it, there's all sorts of wacky stuff with it. There's other ward costs that are not two mana. Um, the Ferrix has a, has a ward cost of uh, collecting evidence, which that's pretty absurd unto itself. Now, let's think about the red kill spells in this format. Uh, let's see. There's the deal three, right? Galvanize. Uh, it deals two to a creature. It can be countered. but if you sacrificed uh, a clue to draw your second card this turn, which is the most realistic way to draw your second card this turn, there's other ways to do it, like Projector Inspector and higher rarity cards. But if you've drawn your second card this turn, it deals five instead. But then there's the five mana one that deals four. And if you sacrificed a clue this turn, uh, it costs less. But that one can't be countered. So you got to remember that. Also, there's Torch the Witness, which is an X and a red fireball. The, I struggle to remember this. The, I, I, right. This is my wheelhouse. I shouldn't have to struggle to remember this. Uh, it deals yeah, twice deals, like, x twice damage. damage or something. Yeah, it deals twice x damage to a creature. It can be countered, and if it deals excess damage, you get a clue. So some you need to crack the clues for. Others you need to get the clues from, but deal the excess. That one has double. It can be countered, but the other one can't. But the other one can. And this and is just red. Just, we're talking about just the red <laughs> removal spells. I mean. And, and other and other colors, some can be countered, some can't be countered. Buried in the Garden kind of adds mana. So I had a game where I was, I had five lands in play, and I realized I had to select the right land instead of letting Auto Tapper do its thing. If I selected the right land, then I could target a creature with Ward Two, because then if I put it on the land, then it could tap for two mana to pay for the Ward cost. I mean, th this is this is interesting stuff. But this is not the set I'm going to give to my students to learn to play like that. That sure. would be ridiculous. And I think that would be OK if entrenched, dedicated players also weren't finding issues with the set. But when both parties like like if you get someone like Marshall complaining about the playability of the format and like the repeated. Mm, similarities of sets over time and new players are afraid of the set like that's a real problem mm -hmm. and do we think my question is do we think that's a one-off or do we think this is the way that set design is going forward because i this is maybe the first time we've seen such a big overlap of gripes and i think to be to be open from what i've seen online people are enjoying the format it's this is not a doom and gloom nobody likes this set and watsy never should have made it Ben and I are being very opinionated here with the way that we're 
talking about this, but I think it has been historically showing a trend of of set design in certain ways that isn't good for the game. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this set it has the energy to me of Marvel Phase Four. Now that <laughs> let, let me explain. Uh, Marvel Phase Four, you had to do your homework, right? They, they they've been making new movies and such, new TV shows, but you had to be keeping up with the whole thing. You had to be super entrenched, super focused, and that was basically your life. Of I mean, I I haven't had time to watch the, a lot of those shows. I tried watching some. I tried watching some of the movies, but like, if you weren't fully wrapped around the overarching plot and things that were happening, a lot of stuff probably didn't make any sense, and that feels bad. Uh, that the teacher and me that teaches you that you were not able to get everything from the one experience. Uh, so you had to do homework instead. And I don't like having to do the homework to just have the positive experience. You should be able to sit down with any magic set, crack it open. Like imagine opening up an old box of cons. Anyone that has played magic before can open it up, see like, okay, I get it. And that's that's aided by the set design. That's aided by the fact that there are vanilla four threes or four in the set. There's multiple vanilla creatures. Right. You're not going to spy a single vanilla creature in this entire set. It, it it just doesn't exist. And it's not like cons is a simple set. There's a lot going on in cons, too. Right. You've got more. Yeah. You've got some of these other like these wedges that you kind of have to figure out and the different mechanics that were built into each of the wedges. But you do have the simplicity of vanilla creatures and design feels different i mean to your point like there's the running the re the recurring joke these days right with magic that is like everything is kicker and to a degree that's like been blown way out of proportion but there is a huge level of truth to that in that like every every mechanic anymore is really just a the same mechanic that had already been done i mean take disguise right yeah it's it's just morph with extra text. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I do think this is a fun set. I'm still playing it. But I do see it as the next data point in a long series of data points that point to very fast formats, cookie cutter set design where uh, there's all this stuff that we've seen in every set. There's always a big gain life creature, a two minute deal three or whatever. And uh, the incomplification, complicatedification, that word is too incomplicated. <laughs> uh, the complication <laughs> over time of, of magic sets to the point where if you're not a, a rules lawyer, and I, I don't mind being a rules lawyer, I like knowing the complicated rules interactions, but if you're not good at knowing the rules, you're not going to find a lot of success. To play at the highest level in this set, you need to have a pretty complicated understanding of not only all the usual gameplay stuff, but of the rules surrounding it. And I don't feel as though that leads to a positive gameplay experience for the average player. No, I agree. I mean, you're, you're really targeting again, that it comes back to those entrenched kind of constructed players who are building with a much smaller set of cards, right? I mean, you look at the viable, Stand, let's just take standard for example the viable standard legal cards that should be put in decks is a much smaller sample than say even one set's worth of cards yeah. right 
So you don't have to deal with all the complexities of different things. You need to learn a handful of cards so you know what your matchups look like and you know what your deck is doing. And that's about it. But limited players, we need to know the whole set. We need to know every card in the set because you could play against that and you mm-hmm. could have interactions against those, those things. And we're getting to the point where not only are, I think, sets becoming more and more similar from a limited format perspective, they're also somehow becoming more complex and therefore harder for new players to play and harder for regular players to enjoy. So again, this kind of circles back to that thought I'm having of like, is this just a different way that they want to ultimately just kind of kill off limited? Yeah. I don't know that it was intentional from a set design perspective, but it may be intentional from the way that like higher big Guazzi is like, or even Hasbro is determining or like setting precedent on how they want people to be designing sets going forward. Anyway. Yeah. I would say one of the big side effects of this continued aggressification uh, of all these sets is that red and white get better. That does push out a lot of the fan favorite vectors, such as five color nonsense, blue, green, black, green, to some extent, uh, black really suffers in this set. It's it's not good uh, to the point where you really need a good black rare or mythic to start off to, to think about going into black. It's not just uh, you'll go in willy nilly. I'd much rather be starting in white or red. And uh, I've been trying the five color nonsense. I've I've drafted Niv Mizzet like last time. Uh, by the way, that that episode uh, last week that deck went three and three. But then right after, I used some of the lessons that I learned from that Niv deck, and I trophied with the Niv Mizzet deck. Niv Mizzet is really good when you get him on the battlefield, uh, and if you can build around him with some early interaction to keep the aggressive decks off you. But it, that took some practice and some time and effort, and I've done it a couple times since, and I've gone like four three with those Niv decks. I mean, the five-color nonsense, that's the sort of thing that gets pushed out of the format because the five-color decks don't really have access to the same one and two drops. They can't interact as early. They require slower fixing and that type of thing. So just naturally, they're going to tend to lose more often to the hyper-aggressive red-white beatdown vectors. So uh, I, I think that is a solid knock against this trend that we're seeing. And I mean, maybe a lot of people like these hyper aggro decks. I sometimes do too, but it's not really as fun, right? I mean, again, to reference back in Amonkhet, there was some really cool late game things you could do. Uh, one that comes to mind is Bounty of the Luxa. That's a fun build around. That yeah, I mean that that that's a blue green card that people were excited to open and play. But that just wouldn't, I mean, if if that was in a, a set these days, it would be basically unplayable. Yeah, and I, I wanted to drop in here too. Sirkovitz, friend of the show, recently put out a post on Twitter. Um, I'm just looking now. This was three days ago at, at the time of recording this episode. Where he was showcasing that in week two of MKM, the deck with the highest win rate was actually Simic by like Hmm. a tenth of a percentage point. And if you look at like overall data, Simic was in like top three, Selesnia was number two, and Boros was still number one. But they're relatively close. Um, And I think that's interesting, mostly because, well, A, Simic has not been a top tier deck ever, like in recent memory period. It's It's been a very long time. 
but also because Simic isn't really known for its like aggressive decks or like aggressive abilities. But I think this kind of shows, and and maybe Sirkovitz, no, not maybe Sirkovitz could talk better to this than I could. <laughs> but I'd like to see the data on which cards are performing in Simic because my inclination is that well, like the blue aggressive creatures are what's keeping Simic alive as in terms of viability as a deck in the format, mm-hmm. not because like there's a controlling aspect to Simic that is able to stabilize and like turn the tide on the red white decks would be my guess. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's a level of stabilization that happens there and, and Simic can take over in, in those respects. But I, I don't know. It's just interesting to me that like the, the, the historical slow, like ramp play beefy creatures deck is still is top tier and we're still in an aggressive format. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think part of that could also be that a uh, doppelgang is a pretty busted card. So pack mm-hmm. one, pick one that, and then, then, then blue green does work out. So I, I guess maybe this one has some benefits that past sets didn't have. I mean, even, even in LCI, we saw that a good blue black descend deck could hold its own, but just you had to kind of work for it in ways you didn't before you had to, Rather than using removal spells, use lifelinkers and and other ways of stabilizing uh, to to be able to make it to the late game. Something similar maybe is happening here. Maybe blue and green have ways of of managing that. I guess that that can transition to some of the positives of this format. I really am enjoying play boosters so far. I, I do actually think it's pretty interesting to open a bunch of wacky rares and get past a bunch of wacky rares. I mean, that's that's fun for me as a player. Uh, I think it needs some tweaking. I don't like this opening 13 cards thing. I do miss that 14th card as, as little as it might seem to matter. It does have an effect on wheeling. Uh, even though you're on average opening more good cards, more strong rares and uncommons, you do kind of miss that, that occasional wheel card. And that's just one less thing that's more likely to come back around to you. Uh, so I don't know, that one, maybe they'll add back in based, based on feedback. I know I, in real life, it's because that now one of the slots is taken up by an art card. I don't necessarily think every pack has to have an art card in it. Maybe like an art card or a token instead of art card and a token or base, whatever. That's a little whack. Uh, there, there are some, a couple things about the list that might need fixing. Yes, opening a smuggler's copter is a really fun experience. But playing against the Smuggler's Copter in a format where it doesn't belong, that's a lot less fun. So you make one person's day, but you ruin seven others. Because believe me, the Smuggler's Copter deck, that, that, that's the type of one that gets seven wins. Uh, so Yeah, but then there's also, like again, to the, the point I was making earlier, limited players need to memorize whole sets. Now we need mm-hmm. to memorize whole sets plus the list, which changes every set. Plus 40 extra plus cards. Plus the, like, the, yeah. the 10 signature, whatever the... the I forget what they're calling them, but the secret like uh, no, guest, special guests, special guests, the special right. guests. Yeah. So we have 50 extra cards. We need to learn every, I mean, you don't necessarily need to learn yeah. all 50 every set. Cause I don't think they're cycling out the entire list every set. So like there will be overlaps, but now we need to remember which ones are still in and which ones are getting taken out and what are they replaced with? And what are like, what could I possibly be playing against? Yeah. Play around them that if it affects the way you draft, it affects the way you play in drafts and it's not fun. Like, it's, I don't, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but it's not no, fun. You're right. Yeah. It, it's homework. And like, 
I don't necessarily feel like I want to go and look up all the cards that are on the list and then learn to play around them at my upcoming RCQ or whatever. But to be the best that I can, I should go up and look up all of them and memorize them and learn how to play around them. Like, And then you're going to play against the Smuggler's Copter, and it's like, all right, well, why did I even bother learning? I'm just going to lose right, yeah, this thing anyway. Lose anyway. But then there's some that are just total nonsense. Like Mass Hysteria is a red one mana enchantment. Give all creatures haste. All creatures. Why is yeah. that in the set? Like, <laughs> what does that need to be here for? Is this their way of injecting reprints into packs? Like, I, I guess you could do that. Uh, sure. Molten Psyche card does basically nothing. Show and Tell is one of the, uh, the special guests. There's also World Spine Worm. In Limited, you can actually show and tell a, word, a World Spine Worm. I don't even, I don't even want to run the numbers on how unlikely that would be to have them both in the same deck, or to run the numbers on how likely it would be to actually have it happen, like in a game. Plus, they can still just exile your world spine worm after all that. There's, uh, I don't know. There's some nonsense that needs to be accounted for, and I think a little bit more time and thought and love could go into crafting this experience. Uh, I do hope they take some of the feedback. I don't know. It's it's a it's starting to get a little old, you know, how people have been saying the same things about the format speed getting a little too fast, how these extra add-ins that make it feel like homework are getting a little too much. I don't think that's a play booster problem. I think that's yeah. just a general overall limited design problem. Yeah, it does feel that way. I, I think, I think the play booster thing can be a net positive and it feels like it already kind of is. Um, they just need to iterate on it and take feedback and, and make adjustments. This is the first set we have with them. And so I'm not real willing to make any like egregious, uh, opinions about them just yet. Right. Like we need mm-hmm. time to see how they get ironed out and the, the, those sorts of things, but the play design set design bits from a limited perspective have been recurring for years now. And I know that like set design is a few years ahead. So it's possible there's going to be a huge up, like upshift or uh you know adjustment to the way that sets are designed in the mm-hmm. near future it's just lagging a few years because that's how far ahead they are in set design i'm not in like optimistic that that's the case though i don't expect that to be happening this is actually a smooth transition into our listener question this week from dorgan who says play boosters are out gone disappeared and quick we need a new structure for booster packs what is it honestly mm. I, I think we should refresh everyone's memory on what a play booster is uh just so everyone's on the same page play boosters have six commons guaranteed they have three uncommons guaranteed and they have a rare mythic guaranteed that's the old set stuff but then there's a another slot that could be a another common a seventh common or a list card so that's what the copter was or the other list cards there is a basic land slot there's a non-foil wildcard slot, which I think can be anything. Anything at all, yeah. Uh, then there's a foil wildcard slot, which I think can also be anything. I <laughs> okay. so. Uh, and then there's a, uh, an add or a helper card. I don't know why we need ads in our magic packs. Those are always annoying to sort out. but Or a token or an art card or something. Okay, so those, I guess, are the same slot. Uh, anyway. Uh, if we were to take this and tweak a little bit, I think I might just swap one of these. <sighs> Having basics isn't that important for most limited sets, but sometimes they put in like common duels 
So I guess they'd have to be retemplated a little bit. But I think personally, I would take out the basic land slot uh, and then merge the basic land slot with the add token helper art card slot and then mm. make that all one thing and then add back in one extra common slot. Just so we have so seven that, guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, just so we have that 14 cards per pack in arena and we have just that extra little bit towards wheeling towards opening more commons of more colors and such. Uh, Cause there are commons that you, that it's correct. The first pick, I don't mind opening lots of more commons. Uh, it is fun to have all these other booster rare fun things going on, but ultimately I, I, I think that'd be the one change I, I would make. And if there's a form going around with feedback for wizards on a, uh, on play boosters, I, I would say this too. Yeah, I think my adjustment would be similar. I think we do need to up the average common count, or at least the expected common count. So I think adding in one more common guaranteed is is a good idea. Basic lands are largely irrelevant in booster packs anyway, because outside of to your point, like the duels that show up in the basic land slot sometimes, or uh, different things like that, like. Constructed players who are opening these packs don't care about basics. Mm-hmm. Limited players who are opening these packs don't care about basics. Like nobody builds their basics collection by opening packs like this. It's just not a thing people do. Yeah, I guess you, you know, got to get I mean, even, somewhere, but not even like new, this. it could go in the other slot. Right, I guess. Yeah, and but like even new players get them through like bundles or whatever. Right, like you just yeah, get a true. big stack of lands. One thing I was also thinking would be kind of interesting is if they got rid of the add token helper card art thing slot altogether and had a separate booster type that is just tokens. Hmm. So they just have like a cheap, like a $2 token booster that's even just random tokens. And you get like eight of them in a pack or whatever. Hmm. And that's how tokens get opened. Hmm. Maybe that would work, and then you just replace the token with uh, a common, and you could keep the basic land slot, or you could get rid of the basic land, add in one common and another wild card or something. Yeah, or even just put tokens in collector booster packs, but then they might get kind of expensive. Well, but we don't have collector boosters anymore, do we? Yeah, we still have collector boosters. We just don't have set boosters anymore. Right, right, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like, I don't really think tokens need to be part of packs either. Mm-hmm. Um, the art cards are fine, I guess, but, like, it feels like, it kind of feels like the play booster thing is trying to service too many customers. It's one of those things where, like, when you try to help everybody, you help no one. Yeah. And it seems to me like that's almost where this is at. I think it's better than that. I think it is a happy medium between, like, all the different boosters we had just, you know, a few months ago. But it needs work. Yeah, I, I think, I think, especially from a drafting perspective, I think if you're looking at this from a constructed perspective, it's probably perfect because, yeah, you could open a, a ton of rares and Watsy can't let you just open all rares. Yeah. So you have a chance to open and then there's more of the like gambling aspect of, well, I might get four rares in this pack instead of just a guaranteed one or maybe one in a foil. Yeah, um, they're fun to open. I'll give them that. All of these cards have the ability to have like alternate uh, treatments and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're definitely fun. Um, but from a limited perspective, probably not the best iteration of this that they can come up with. 
All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low for the past week. So, Ben, I know I wasn't here to start at all last week, but why don't you go first? What's up? Who? let's see. Uh, I think I'll go with my Teferi first, which is that this is actually the last day of a four-day weekend, which has been very nice. Uh, my school had President's Day and also today off for some reason, and I just didn't question it. To my knowledge, school didn't happen today because I didn't get any angry emails. So I guess I had today off. Uh, so that was nice. And as the old teacher adage goes, the best part of a long weekend is not the long weekend, but the short week. So mm. I'm excited for this three day week. Uh, that'll be that'll be good. My birthday's. Hold on. I guess tomorrow, <laughs> but by the time of release for this, so that'll be fun. I got some fun plans next weekend. Uh, including maybe attending an rcq on sunday not entirely certain about that yet i might also try to go see dune instead uh mm. that haven't made up my mind about that uh but uh my my tibble is that uh man this one's a little embarrassing i made it into the qualifier weekends and I, I I did a sealed play in i got a super busted red white deck i had two aurelias and just like three of the o-ring common and and a bunch of good two drops it was the perfect sealed pool i flattened my way in it was awesome had a great time made the qualifier weekend qualifier weekend saturday morning i open up my packs uh and i have a really unique deck it's one of the most unique decks i've seen in the format it was a black red clues deck and one thing i do like about this whole booster fun nonsense and the play boosters is that when you're playing sealed, if you get duplicates of certain rares, it can help enable vectors, even duplicates of anything, uh, but duplicates of higher rarity cards. It can help enable these vectors that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. I got two homicide inspectors, which is the two mana, two, two, whenever a creature you control dies, investigate uh, the black rares. So those, they're solid value. But the rest of my pool was such that a black red clues deck emerged and it was a really cool looking deck. I haven't seen anything like it. I've certainly never drafted anything like it, uh, but I had like a bunch of crankos and clues and I was sacking artifacts to make goblins and put counters on my goblins. And I had three copies of the two mana goblin that cares about being dealt three damage to investigate, but I was buffing them. It was a really sweet deck. I won a couple matches, set my phone down. I had some plans with my family. Uh, Came home after a long day, picked up my phone. I was all excited to get back into it, and the event was over. I had missed the entire rest of the qualifier. I guess I was thinking in terms of the arena opens, which go basically until 4 a.m. the next day. Uh, You have like literally all night to play with them. And I don't know what time the qualifier weekend ended, but um, it was... uh, (laughs) Less of a qualifier weekend and more of a qualifier few hours. <laughs> yeah, it was a bummer. I mean, I, I got cashed out. Like, I got a couple thousand gems from my wins, but I, I feel like I could have day two with that deck. It, it was a really strong, really unique deck. And I honestly am most bummed that I'll never get to know how that super cool, unique deck will wind up. Like, it's yeah. if I had lost with it in the next round, I would have been okay with that. I just, I would have liked to know, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Well, yeah. better luck next time, I suppose. Yeah, I'll get him next time. What's up with you? Um, my Teferi is that I had an awesome Valentine's week. I wasn't here last week in part because of timing, like scheduling issues with uh, getting like Ben and I sitting down and actually having the show recorded 
at a reasonable time for me to edit. Um, but I also had like just a crazy busy week period. And part of that was my Valentine's plans, which was awesome. Uh, I got to do a lot of cool things, um, including going to a jazz club for the first time, which was really fun. Um, and yeah, just had a great time. My tibble is that I've been sick for roughly a millennia. Um, and this is generally par for the course for me. Like I'll get a cold and just have a cold for like months. Um, or like ancillary symptoms of a cold for months. Uh, and that's kind of what's happening here. I did have an ear infection a couple of weeks ago and I like went to a doctor not knowing it was an ear infection. They told me it was an ear infection, gave me an antibody, like antibiotics for that. And then I went through that dosage or whatever, like through the script they gave me and most of the symptoms had abated, but they hadn't completely gone away. And now it feels like it's just coming back. And Mm. I'm like, man, I guess I needed like more than seven days worth of antibiotics to kill that off or whatever. But yikes, uh, I guess I'm going to have to go see another doctor. I don't know. Uh, but I'm getting kind of tired of it. It would be nice to not be sick. Yeah. Well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out the discord if you haven't already and uh, come say hi. We'd love to see you over there. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chat pod. Again, all sorts of perks over there that you can check out, including our show notes, pre-show recordings, personal recordings from Ben and I, access to a special channel for draft discussions and such like that. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chat pod. And if you'd like to find us on social media, we're on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at draft chat pod. Thanks folks. And we'll catch you next week. All right. I got a quick sign off for you. This new water bottle that I got here, it is uh it's an Awala free sip. I'm almost ashamed to admit that I've, I've been looking for a new water bottle for like a year and I just never saw anything that I liked. And then I got an ad on TikTok. It was some oh, like no. sponsored video. And I you. was like, you know what? That actually does look pretty good. Like it seems, it seems like a solid water bottle and I've been seeing them popping up. These in like the, you know, the Stanley cups that are all over the place now. Sure. Those have all been like trending for whatever their various reasons are. Stanley cups, they can, cause they contain lead a while of free sips for just the fact that they're actually pretty good. So I did some research. I was like, all right, you know what? I think I will get one of these. seems nice. Uh, I go to Target. I grab one. I'm like, all right, cool. It's nice. It's got this, this thing where uh, it's got like a pop top like that. And it's got two different sections. I don't even see. It's got like a what they call gulping section and then like a straw section. Hmm. And I kind of thought like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like there's like a sipping section or like you can just chug if you want. Sure. But what I didn't realize until literally just today, and I had this for like a month now, was that uh, if you look inside, it's supposed to have a straw attached right there. I thought what it was was that it was like you still tilt the water bottle to sip, but then it's just like the sipping hole as opposed to the gulping hole. Uh, I learned just today that it was supposed to come with a straw. And so presumably somebody else needed a new straw to replace theirs. They went into Target took the straw off of this one, <laughs> pocketed it, and bounced. Classy. And so now here's the question. Should I do the same thing? <laughs> Is it moral for me to carry um, on this train of stealing the straw from a wild of free sips? Because... I mean, is it on me that it wasn't in this? I guess not. Could I contact the company? I guess so. But is it, is it morally reprehensible to, to carry on the train? 
do you want an answer? Or are we just going to leave this as a cliffhanger for the listener? That's a great question. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my answer would be that, yes, it is morally reprehensible to do that. You, you have a few options. One, as a consumer, you could have checked that the straw was present before you purchased that particular but bottle. I didn't know it was supposed to have one. I never bought one That's of these on products you. Before. You just said you did a ton of research <laughs> on the thing. How did you not know that? I never looked inside. I said I, I knew it had a straw idea, but... So I, I would think so. Also, two wrongs don't make a right, Ben. Come on. But they could make a left. <laughs>